I'm Dan O'Donnell, and this is The Difference. It's your weekly look at the intersection of politics and finance, your bottom line, and how the world around it affects you. Dave Spano, the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, joins me. And Dave, uh, this is the week, the week after Labor Day, where there's a lot of movement. I mean, markets have a tendency, you might recall that back in 2008, it was what, September 15th, 2008, yep. the sort of date that will live in infamy with respect to the Great Recession. We've sort of become used to what's become known as the September swoon. And, you know, you talk a lot about volatility in markets. I can't think of a year where there's been more volatility, save for perhaps 2008. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're standing at the precipice of uh, that sort of unprecedented collapse. But, I mean, it does seem like the traditional definition of recession means that we are very clearly in one. And it's entirely possible that the Federal Reserve hiking rates even more pushes us into a deeper recession, which could trigger a massive stock sell-off. Well, okay, so, so much there. So let's really talk about September soon. So you know that there is, of course, earnings that come out, and, and they come out. You know, obviously, we just ended up with earnings season, and it was relatively good. So all you know, everyone has has come out with their earnings reports now, and so there is this time where we're not seeing earnings reports. And so the markets now look to other information. And uh, what's coming up, of course, is the Fed meeting on September 20th and 21st. But let me go back to the great financial crisis that you talked about in September of 2008. And I remember that very, very well. Uh, it was September 15th, and the money markets were starting to break the buck. In other words, you know, you buy a money market and you expect it to have a stable value and it was trading below that. And there were so many pundits who said this is this is a really bad situation. I remember politicians standing on the steps of Congress talking about, but for you know the actions that we're going to take, we're, this is really going to be bad. I remember Kramer going on and saying, go to the bank and take all your money out. I mean, it was a, you know, it was a electronic run on the banks. All of that was because there was a major breakdown. That's not what's happening right now. And that's the reason why I want to make sure that we discern between the two. Back then, the financial crisis, that was the cascading failure of financial institutions. That's not what we have right now. Banks are in good shape. There's a lot of money on the sidelines, not only by financial institutions, but by individuals. So let's let's make that that difference. Secondarily, the recession. The recession that, you know, by by most people's definition that we just came out of could be a, a, a it could look a lot worse in a year from now. The Federal Reserve, Dan, as you well know, is trying to slow the economy down. You know, that's what's the reason why they raise interest rates, because the real estate market was so hot. Wage inflation was out of control. So they're trying to tamp that down. And we're not going to really see those effects until next year because all the rate raises have a lagging effect. Yeah, but we've already seen some rate raises that are essentially lagging now. What can we sort of expect in the near term? And I'm talking about, since I'm the politics guy, you're the finance yep. guy, heading into the election. We've got, as we tape this, 63 days until the midterm election day in November. So it is literally a sprint. And when you say all eyes are going to be on the Fed, not just for fiscal policy, but the Fed could also determine whether or not, if the the interest rate is such that you've got a 75 basis point hike, 
which signals to investors that there's going to be a longer, deeper recession on the horizon, does that cause maybe a little bit of panic selling that could reinforce this idea in voters' minds that the economy is not doing well and they vote against the president's party, Democrats, to try to make divided government? So let's look at that. So if they raise rates, call it 75 basis points, and it's widely expected, that's the number. What does he say after that? What does Powell say after that? Does he say he becomes data dependent? And that's what we're seeing a lot of analysts in New York tell us is that they don't want to get in front of the election because the next meeting, Dan, is right before the election. And so do they sit on the sideline at the meeting before the election and wait until December and call it data dependent. And so they, they have to get inflation under control. There's still, we have a very strong uh, uh, employment market right now. Think about where we are. There's there's two open jobs for every available worker. And so they're not filling those jobs. We have labor participation rate that is down very, very low. So until they get control of the employment uh, situation, this is going to be with us for a while. So your question is, what do you do with that? The, the flip side, Dan, is we could have a rally. That could be, you know, markets often go the opposite way of public thinking. And so, therefore, there could be a rally post-Fed meeting because he had said something that maybe we've got this under control and will become data dependent. That's what we're going to watch because do they have it under control? Big question mark. The volatility is going to be with us. It's going to be a sloppy market. But that doesn't mean it's going to be panic selling, as you put it. We look around the world, you know, as, as you know, there's a new prime minister in the U.K., and, they're, and she's going to have to try to attack a very difficult situation with really out-of-control inflation. So we're seeing investors in Europe and in the U.K. start to send money to the United States. That's more of a bullish sign than a bearish sign. <laughs> Boy, it, it certainly does sound like we have—I I mean, we, we stand at a crossroads right now. And no, no, no doubt. When, no doubt. when there is that crossroads— you really need to make sure that you've got someone working with you and working for you as a fee-only fiduciary. And that's why we so strongly recommend that you head to AnnexWealth.com for a review of your portfolio. It's called the Free Wealth Metric, so you know what you own and you know why you own it. AnnexWealth.com is the website. I, I want to drill down on this idea that there's going to be some sort of market rally, Dave, because I, that doesn't seem to... I haven't heard that really from anyone else. Yeah, so I'm not calling for that. What I'm saying is that the market often acts in con contrasts exactly what you're hearing from everybody. So if everyone's on one side of the room, the market... Uh, and you, that's why you saw this rally that we did see. You know, we went from uh, up 19%, 18% on the S&P 500, over 20% in the NASDAQ. Now, it gave some of that back. And what we're seeing right now is is money has got to get, it's got to find a home. And so is it being repositioned because there's so much concern around the world, obviously China and Taiwan, uh, that's, that's a major issue. Of course, the COVID lockdowns continue over there. Then you go over to the other side of the pond and look over what's happening in the UK, Germany, Germany, uh, there's there's some numbers showing 30% inflation. Mm -hmm. The UK, 17% inflation. So it's becoming a situation where people don't around the world don't want to invest in international assets. And if you look at a typical portfolio, you have there's some in bonds, some in 
domestic stocks, both large and small caps, and then some in international stocks. And so what people are doing is particularly money managers who have to put that money to work are going, where can I put that money to work? What's the best home for that? more domestic because the United States has always been an oasis, no matter what you hear from both sides of the aisle, particularly one side of the aisle, that you know the United States is going to hell in a handbasket. We are an oasis. There is an opportunity here to invest, and that is really what I'm trying to do. That's the point I'm trying to make, is the, U- the U.S. is still an investable place. And you look at individual names, you know, you've got an Apple uh, rollout coming out uh, in this week. And then, of course, you look at you know companies that, particularly in the energy space, that are going to continue to do well. So that's my point. There's places to invest. It's going to be sloppy. Uh, and, and by the way, and if you don't want, and if that scares you to, to, in, to invest right now, we have a 10-year treasury that's paying 3.5%. We have bond portfolios that are paying more than 4%. And i, I got to be careful of getting too far ahead of myself. I'm just talking about the egg, the 10-year treasury. That's a statement of fact. Where that pays right now, though, there's opportunities in portfolios uh, to, to, for places to invest. But that it is going to be sloppy. We could have a stagflation environment next year, and that is not going to be good for long-term assets. One of the things that I think is giving a lot of investors a good deal of pause and sort of bringing up shades of 2008 is that what seems to be precipitating the, as you call, choppiness, the, the volatility, is a housing, not crash, not collapse, but we are seeing a major slowdown in housing right now. Yeah, for sure. Right now. Yeah. And this sort of precipitated it. It sort of showed that people were kind of, you know, sheltering in place, preparing for the slowdown that was coming. Yeah, I, it, there's no question. I mean, just think about the neighborhood that you live in and that I live in and the people listening to this podcast. Where there used to be houses that used to get four and five offers that aren't getting showings right now. So that is evidence that it is slowing down. What happened in 2008 was failures of financial institutions. I remember doing uh, the show, you, you remember uh, us doing the show 15 years ago, uh, that we'd go on and on, on Saturday morning, yep. we'd talk about the banks that got shut down on Friday night. That was the lead story. That's what we talked about. That's not what we're seeing. Banks no. are in good, good financial condition. So I don't want people to hear that and saying, I'm calling for another financial crisis. But around the corner, there could be a black swan event. China could go into Taiwan. The situation in Europe could get worse. There could be a situation here that there isn't divided government in the United States that will cause volatility. So higher interest rates will dampen returns. And the major story, at least in the financial industry, is we're moving from a decade or more since the financial crisis of quantitative easing, money going into the market, to quantitative tightening where they're letting these bonds roll off. That allowed for V-type recoveries. That may not be in our future right now. Why not? Because you see, when you have money coming out of the market stand, you have money going in, it floats all boats. You know, you look at the, the small cap market, for example, 30 to 40% of those companies do not make money yet. They continue to go up because all of this tr- these trillions of dollars 
that got pushed into the market, that floats a lot of boats. There was a lot of fiscal policy that pushed money into the markets. People got paid to, to not go to work and so on and so forth. So fiscal policy and monetary policy is changing. And when that happens and you suck money out of the market, it's harder. You have to really find out who's wearing the kimono when the water comes in. So that is important, is to go through a dampened return. Higher interest rates, Dan, mean that everything is priced in, in, in interest rates, right? Both stocks and bonds and real estate. And when those rates go up, it puts pressure. This is the real question, is what is it going to look like in 2023? If we get a recession, the Fed is going to have to pivot and stop raising rates and start lowering rates. That's just an insane concept right now with inflation where it is. Yeah, and there's seemingly no indication that inflation is easing at all. I know the Biden administration from June to July when inflation didn't increase by uh, anything. They're saying, well, we have 0% inflation, 0% inflation. That obviously is not true. And We're as you pointed out last week, it was it's the change rate. It's, it's, I mean, that's just not a factual statement. Yeah, right. exactly. So we're still at 8.5% year over year. We've got inflationary environments in Germany, England, and across Europe that, frankly, right now are dwarfing the United States, especially as they're coming towards uh, the winter months where, because of their over-dependence on Russian oil, they may have an energy crisis on their hands. I mean, I'm just looking at all sorts of warning signs with respect to inflation, with respect to global prices. I just don't see in the near term how the Fed can lower interest rates and and ever hope to get prices back under control. Yeah. So the big story that is right now is, is our energy prices starting to stabilize? Well, there's no way for us to know that because we don't know what is in Putin's brain, right? Yeah. We don't know what is if if Europe comes out with a plan. You know, what is their winter going to look like? So, so we don't know what's going to happen. So that is the reason why if energy prices start to stabilize, what does that look like for food? Uh, that's one thing. One big story that hasn't happened yet is the unemployment rate hasn't gone up. And and when when Powell says it's going to be painful. That's one of the things he's talking about. He wants the unemployment rate to go up, for, and that is a crazy situation when there are so many job openings. It's going to be volatile. It's going to be choppy. you got to know where, you, where your assets are right now. Where are the opportunity sets over the next six months to one year? And, of course, the best place to do that is at AnnexWealth.com. And, of course, we will be here every week to cover the volatility, to cover the unease, and to put your mind at ease here on The Difference. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. For Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex, I'm Dan O'Donnell. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. 
Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast. 